This is David Lloyd, editor of There's Only One F in Fulham, and you are listening to the fabulous Fulham Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. My name is J-Mac, your host, as I report live from my private jet en route to the Maldives. The captain assures me that although there has been non-stop turbulence, silver linings are now appearing from these dark clouds. But can the same be said for Fulham? Time to parachute out of this or brace position and see what happens. To the side with me are John Shawbury and Matt Beauclair, where we discuss our seventh defeat in a row by the hands of Liverpool, followed by some quiz and extra bits of chatter. Firstly, though, a big thank you to David Lloyd for introducing the show. David is the founder and editor of long-standing Fulham fanzine There's Only One F in Fulham, a.k.a. Two-Fifth, which he has been running since the first edition in 1988. Two-Fifth has always brought the Fulham family together throughout both the bleakest and best of times. To mark 30 years of Two-Fifth, David has a fantastic new book out this week entitled 30 Years and More of Fulham FC and Two-Fifth. To order your copy, visit www.25th.co.uk or visit the man himself before the next home game at the wall opposite the Hammersmith End gates. Tell them the lads from the Fulham Focus podcast sent you. Anyway, Matt and John are with me. Let's do this. Fulham. So, you saw it, we saw it. Not the 5-0 thrashing we all feared. No, far from it. We were organised, disciplined, motivated, robbed. But we'll discuss this as we go. Mr. Beauclair, I'll start with you. How did you feel when you saw the starting lineup? It seemed like it was five at the back, but Slav had some chambers of secrets to reveal, no? Yeah, hi, hi, J-Mac. Hi, yeah. hi John. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been looking so much at the formations and the merits of five at the back versus 4-3-3 versus 4-2-3-1 versus 0-0-10 or whatever. Um, ultimately, all of these formations, except perhaps the latter, work as long as the players are applying themselves to suit the formation that the manager's chosen. Um, at Anfield, I felt they did. Um, in the past few weeks, we definitely haven't. So regardless of what formation we've been playing in the last few weeks, if the application hasn't been there. Um, and we've been, we've been crap. But yesterday, much, much better. We worked much harder off the ball. Um, we pressed, pressed Liverpool. All right, Liverpool carved us open a few times, um, but we'd expect that against a team like them. And I, I felt we defended much better, having Chambers sat in front of the, the back four seemed to make a difference. And I was, I was impressed with him for the first time this season, so, so good for him. And like I say, set the formation to whatever you like, but without the professionalism and work rate, um, then we're always going to fail. But yesterday, we were, we were much closer to where we need to be. What do you reckon, John? Yeah, I, I was a bit bemused by the um, starting lineup, as as I am most weeks. Once again, changes and... Before you know the game kicked off, it was hard to know exactly how that that eleven would actually play. But um, as you said, it it worked, and and we actually seemed you know more of a team. There was more energy. There was more work rate. There was you know more fight basically, which which we have been lacking. I mean, not had a massive problem with any of the starting 11s this season. But it, as with any game, I went into it with some trepidation. But no, it it seems like we've hit something here, and. Um, Whilst I wouldn't have guessed that starting eleven, it it definitely, you know, it seemed fit for purpose by by the evidence of what we saw on the pitch. Sorry, go on, Matt. 
Yeah, no, sorry, I was just going to say the interesting thing also is that there's been a lot of talk about whether Djokovic is going to get get the boot or whether he'll still be in charge. But, you know, you look at a performance like that and those players are clearly still playing for the manager. Otherwise, they wouldn't have put in a performance as they did. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, it, it was quite clear, even after goal number two, that we were still functioning and still working. We, well, our heads were not down like they were in Huddersfield. There was a motivation there that I did not expect throughout the whole game, if I'm being honest. And so going back to what John said, there was a tiny bit of slap bingo, because, but was it the right type? Because we finally saw a starting appearance from Alfie Mawson. Now, Matt, you were there. You traveled up to Liverpool. I mean, how did he do? Did he? I mean, is he the ingredient we've been missing? Does he look like he's completely cleared from that injury now? Yeah, I, I thought he had a good game, to be honest. Um, you know, as you say, his his injury obviously hampered him um, and, and he's been out, in and out of the team. And when he has been in the team, um, that Watford game, he, he was taken off at halftime and he looked really shaky in that game. Um, but he's the sort of player that, that we need in the team. Uh, we need to be putting in performances and we, we need him to lead from the back because he is a leader. He's very vocal. He's a presence. And um, as long as he's not making mistakes, then I can see him being in the in the back four for the rest of the season, to be honest. And I, and I hope he is for, for our sake. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and John, um, on to you about Seri. Seri was dropped for this game. Uh, right decision, do you think? I mean, his attitude has been quite questionable somewhat in the past few games. Um, I think the, the performance proves that it was the right decision. I'm not one to kind of jump on one player's back and say he hasn't, you know, I I think to be honest, and I think this is a lot down to Slav and a lot down to performances. It, it, everyone shares the blame, but we've not looked like a cognitive, we've, we've not come together at all for a long time. You know, we, we actually started off better with some confidence and Seri looked like a good player. Questioning his desire, his, you know, I can't question his desire. You know, I'm not, I'm not in his head. Clearly, it was better without him than it has been with him. So it was the right decision. All right, very good. And Matt, what are your thoughts on Seri being dropped for this game, mate? Yeah, I, I thought it was the right decision, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad he, he, he was left out. Um, the only disappointing thing was that he got on the pitch for as long as he did. I think Kenny made that mistake for the second goal. He, he um, completely left Shakiri. I don't know, I don't know what Kenny was thinking of as he kind of moved away from um moved away from Shakiri and back up the pitch. Um but then he he was replaced by Seri. Seri came on, gave the ball away a couple of times. And Seri said um in an interview, I don't know whether it was as he was joining us or or whether it was uh you know uh, longer ago than that, but he said in the in the colder months he suffers with his with his feet and it hasn't been cold yet and and he's been crap. So God knows what we've got to come from him. And it's something that I want to come on to in a little while, but the whole way that we recruit at this club at the moment, you know, Tony Khan has um, waved his dick around on Twitter in the summer as we were making all these signings. <laughs> oh, yeah, these are all my players. Haven't I done well? Uh, we do them based on uh, data profile and scouting. That's all very well. You know, somebody can go and watch Serie play in the French League. Is the French League any good? I've no idea. Probably not. But somebody can go and watch Seri play in the French league, and then somebody can look and say, "Oh, look! Look at his pass completion rate! Isn't it fantastic in this shit league?" And then, yeah, we sign him. We we spend the best part of thirty million on him. But then, how can they possibly tell by looking at a data profile and scouting how he's going to perform in a team that's battling against relegation? You can't tell that from from those things. 
Um, and as I say, we'll, we'll come to it in a little while, but um, I think there's something fundamentally wrong with the way that we're recruiting at the moment. And I'd put a big question mark over Seri's head. All right, excellent. Well, let's talk about quickly the positives of the recruitment. And let's firstly, let's talk about Sergio Rico. And John, I'm, I'm going to come to you with this. I mean, I mean, he's been a complete revelation for us in the past few games now. Um, I think I think that's that's a, a very bold statement. I think it's hard to say really because defensively we have actually made some improvements, and I can't put that all down to Rico in goal. I mean, he's a, he's a Europa League finalist or winner, and he's played in the Champions League, so he has he has the pedigree there. But I mean, he's played what three games for us. After three games, Seri had scored that worldie, and he was the best thing since sliced bread. So. <laughs> Yes. To jump on the bandwagon and say, oh, yeah, this, the guy's amazing. But, you know, he does ooze class and he does ooze a bit of confidence. For me, it's too, too early to tell. Yeah. OK, fair enough. And Matt, I mean, you, what, was, what was Rico like in, in between the sticks when you saw him, I mean, a few rows away? I mean, he, he made some fantastic stops. I mean, it could have been a completely different school without him, no? Obviously, I mean, it's going to be a different school without any goalkeeper, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, I, I, I think he made some good saves. I think he was he was brave, to coin a, a phrase of our uh, beloved Slavisa. I don't think he made any saves that you wouldn't have expected him to make necessarily. One point, though, one of, one of my favourite bits was, um, I think Salah was, was through over on the left-hand side and Rico tipped it round the post. And we all thought it was going to be a corner, but then the, the linesman had his flag up. So Rico went to take a free kick and then the referee waved him back. And pointed for a goal kick, and I thought, I thought, I remember thinking to myself at the time, this 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 guy, this goalkeeper of ours, uh, Rico, doesn't speak much English, but even I didn't understand that one. It was it was really weird. Either it was a corner or it was offside, but sure, goal kick. We 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 moved the ball back a couple of yards and have a goal kick for it. Very bizarre. And all the the, the players came over to us at the end, barring Seri and Vieto, who were straight down the tunnel, which really really annoyed me. I I got up and and left at six thirty yesterday morning. Got back about half seven at night, sat in traffic on the motorway all day. Would it have really killed those two to come over and just give a quick clap and thanks for coming? But anyway, most of the players did come over and Rico was chatting to, to one of the Liverpool players on the halfway line. And most of our players had already left the pitch. And then Rico came down to us and he got a really good reception. He gave it the, oh, the nice. double-handed wave as well. So it was, it was all quite cool. So we're beginning to establish a relationship with, with our goalkeeper. And, and I like that. I think that's an important relationship to have between the fans and the goalkeeper because, you know, your keeper stood in front of you if you sit behind the goal for at least one half each each week. So, um, and one other thing before we, we pass it on and, and move it on, when the players came over to us at the end, there was a, there was a really good reception for the players and everyone was singing Slavisa's Black and White Army as well as, as the players came over and clapped. So, I was really proud of the Fulham supporters for, for acting so classily because, all right, we've, we've lost another game. What is it, seven on the bounce now? Um, and it would have been quite easy for people to just pile out down the tunnel and, you know, not give the players any recognition or boo or um, chant for the manager to be sacked. But the fact that everybody, you know, good, a good strong 2,500 supporters were up there yesterday. And for people to, to get behind the manager like that and sing his name was, was really good. Yeah, and I've got to say, I mean, this is, I mean, I can't, this is my whatever number of pod that I've done now, and it's actually quite nice just to embrace positives for a change, even if we lost again, but there are there are some positives to take, and it's actually quite nice to just start off with positives, and we'll move on to the next positive before we get into controversies and robberies. 
John, uh, Callum Chambers for you. Um, his his involvement in the the CDM role as just in front of the back four. What do you think? Is that a possibility that something that Slav will do regularly now? And also, I mean, it gave Angisa a bit more freedom to move around because apparently Angisa prefers to be, you know, part of a double uh, defensive uh, midfield lineup. I think Tamers was was a massive positive, and um, I mean, the question should now probably be asked whether Kmac and Angisa should have been playing with one one player in front of him. But I really quite like Angisa, but. For the first five minutes of the game, I thought, oh, my God, he's absolutely awful. And he grew on me, and I think I, I, I swayed that. No, Chambers stepped up, and, and, he, and he did really, really well. And he was a big part of what was good in the game. I mean, would you put K-Mac in ahead of Chambers after that performance? I don't know if I would, personally. What do you, what do you reckon, Matt? Um, well, I thought McDonald had a good game when he came on against Huddersfield for the 20 minutes he was on the pitch. But but yeah, I mean, it's difficult to change a team when they put in a good performance. And we've lacked a good performance for so many weeks now. Um, we've got a couple of weeks. So if we if we remain injury free, then I'd probably pick the same team. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're, you also missed out the fact that Chambers was stuck in at right back against Cardiff and got a half before he was taken off. So his confidence is shot to pieces. Um, and I, I talked to a guy that I work with who's an Arsenal supporter and he said, just bear with Chambers. He's, you know, he's he's quite a quite a force at the back. If he gets a run of games, he'll be a commanding player. And I thought he looked quite commanding, actually, on um, on, on Sunday at Liverpool, even though he was, he, all he was really was a body to get in the way, just sitting in front of the defence in a position that isn't natural to him. But I'm really glad he had a good game because he's he's been pretty awful so far. So it's good good that we're finally beginning to see what he's capable of. Um, Matt, uh, Cyrus Christie, I mean, he was, uh, in the last game when he came on as a sub at Huddersfield, we, we noticed a huge amount of pace suddenly created itself on the right-hand side. I mean, I think it's very safe to say that Fossil Mensa needs a bit of time off. I mean, has Christie been a worthy replacement? Yeah, I mean, um, with with Christie, I was a heavy critic of his earlier in the season. But I thought he had a good game, probably one of his best games for the club at, at Liverpool. And yeah, I think he's he's earned himself a, a, a start in the next game. To be honest, I think I think I said after it was either after the Everton game or the Arsenal game. Uh, I hope he doesn't play for us again this season, um, which was maybe a little bit rash in the heat of the moment. But yeah, good performance and good for him. I'm I'm glad he played well. All right, brilliant. Now let's let, let's just do it. Let's just go on to the 13 seconds of what the fuss was that. I mean, so J- John, what? On earth, a Liverpool. I mean, I'm still getting messages right now on Twitter, and I'm lo- I'm looking at diagrams, I'm looking at lines, and I'm everyone's still saying. I mean, the BBC and Sky are saying this goal is offside, and I still can't really believe it. I mean, what the hell happened? Am I going completely mad, or is this just a complete, complete injustice? What happened to us in in this 13 seconds of absolute hell? Um, at the time, I felt like we'd been absolutely robbed. Um... And the fact of the matter is that the linesman was in absolutely no position to make the correct decision. So mm. he, 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 he guessed, basically. And the more and more people dissect it, the more it proves that actually he might have got it right. Now, for me, I'm a cricket fan, okay? So um, it's unpassed call. So if he had given him onside, it was onside. If he'd given him offside, it was offside. So he gave him offside and 
if Mitro wasn't so bloody muscular, he'd have been onside. So it, it's it's awkward. I mean, like, how, how far do you dissect it? Do you believe the doubt to the striker, surely, in that situation. Well, no, 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 no. I, I completely agree with you, but I mean, unfortunately, we're now we're now in a in an age in a game where. You know, when you've got five hours to edit it and draw a line and block out so and so players, you can say, well, actually, three millimeters of his shoulder was a. For me, it looked onside. It felt onside. I mean, something I have to say is like Mitrovic and some of our strikers have just been offside. Like we we don't get that many attacking opportunities, especially against teams like Liverpool, and yet we're flirting with offside. Like, you know, maybe we should be playing a bit safer and not even give them a decision to make. But um, I, I thought it was incredibly harsh. And this is one thing that VAR and all we know decisions like this do. that they, they ruin the joy of football, you know. Did you want fans to celebrate? For, I mean, they scored whilst our fans were still celebrating. So it was awful. For, as I say, for me, I think if you sat there for an hour, you could say onside, offside. It, for me, it was, it was you know, the, the striker gets the advantage. It was onside. He wasn't, you know... But what happened next was 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 what ruined it for me. Mm. And um, I don't know what you, Matt or Jay, Matt, you think, but actually, like, it was farcical. Well, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it was completely illegal and shouldn't have happened. I mean, Matt, what, what, I mean, you must have gone absolutely ballistic when you saw that role there. That Alison. Oh, really? I was, still, I was still celebrating the goal. <laughs> I, was, I was going nuts, you know, losing my mind. And then I looked around and Salah's through on goal. I didn't know what had happened. Crazy, really frustrating, and then pull my phone out, and you lot are all on WhatsApp saying oh, he was on side. Ah, oh, it's, it's so frustrating. Uh, you, I mean, you can you can accept a goal being ruled out incorrectly for offside. It happens all the time, and look at what happened to Southampton on Saturday as well. But then for that to be a, a byproduct of what happened, and for us to go from thinking we were one nil up to being one behind within a matter of seconds is 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 a difficult one to swallow given mm. that we played quite well. Yeah. And look, guys, we talked about the positives. We talked about the controversy. Now, let's say, for instance, that we scored that goal and we were 1-0 up at half-time. It's the second half. We've run out of questions to ask them quite a bit. And I, my question is to you, John. Do you think that if we had gone in a... 1-0 at half-time, that actually Liverpool would have reached a different gear and matched us a lot more. I mean, were we facing a Liverpool side that were treating us a little bit, you know, it's just Fulham? Uh, to, 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 I mean, they'd just come off a bad result themselves. It's so hard to say, but I, I honestly feel Fulham, is, and especially under Slavisa's tactics, like we're, such a, we're a team that just needs to score first. It completely changes everything if we score first. And that's a, that's a massive weakness in tactic, to be honest, because you, you shouldn't need, you know, the game lasts 90 minutes, regardless of who scores first. But in that game, I saw for the first time us actually play football kind of how you almost expect it to be, you know, solid at the back, work your way forward and all that. And then to kind of have the, the, the rug pulled from underneath us was, was heartbreaking. And I think it's easy to forget that no matter how good a team is, two teams are playing football. So to say Liverpool weren't good, well, were they were they not good because we were good? Were they not good because they were poor? I mean, where where does it stop? And and when you come to that, there's too many variables for anyone to ever be able to give a really accurate answer on that, in my opinion. All right, uh, Matt. Anything to add to that, mate? 
Um, yeah, just just one thing. Um, I think that it, it was a real shame that the second goal came when it did, because at one nil we're still in the game. But straight after half time to go two nil down, I thought Liverpool really settled down after that. They dominated possession. We weren't really in it in an attacking sense in the second half at all. And I think if we'd not conceded the second goal, then we may have been. It's all ifs, buts and maybes. But I felt we were playing well enough. But at that point, Liverpool were able to take a few more risks. We're much more comfortable on the ball. And from that point, the, the game wasn't ever in any doubt, really. And it, and also, it's a shame as well, because Klopp um, said before the game how much he hates midday kickoffs. And uh, I, I think I sent you guys a, a, a video, actually. He, in the in the pre-match warm-up, he was stood on the halfway line staring at our players with his arms folded, just watching us do some some little running drills. It was really That's weird. I've never, never, ever seen a manager do that before, come out on the pitch and just watch the opposition um, warm up. Very strange, but very Klopp, I suppose. Well, Slav, learn something from that, mate. Stare him down. The yeah. Serbian stare. <laughs> I'd love him to do that. It'd be great. <laughs> Yeah, I've got a feeling it could just be doing a little bit of Sessegnon shopping as well, maybe, but we'll see. All right, guys, um, I'm going to just quickly, let's do a quick Slavisfaction rating from you, John. What would you give Slav out of 10 for that performance? I mean, there is there is light on the horizon, though, maybe, slightly? Hmm? I 100% believe so. Um, I think I think my, my score might be higher than it would have been if we hadn't been so rubbish so far, but I'm going to give him a good old 7. For a 2-0 loss, seven's quite a high, quite a high score, I believe. Yeah, a 2-0 loss is not is nothing to be ashamed of, especially against this team. I don't care what anyone says, this is a team that was like the finalists of the Champions League, and if and they're certainly not weaker from that. In fact, I think they've got better and added more depth. Uh, Matt, on to you. Uh, what would you give Slavica out of 10, mate? Um, yeah, I'm inclined to go with 7 as well. Mm. Um, big improvement. And uh, gives us hope for the for the for the coming games, or rather the next game. I mean, after after Southampton at home, it's Chelsea away, Manchester United away. But I'm hopeful for the next game after that. So feeling positive. All right, seven above you, very good. Pray for Slav. All right, on the other side of this, we've um, got the um, quiz. Oh no, go on. Sorry, J Mac, J Mac. Out of interest, what would your score be? Um, look, after the Huddersfield game, I thought Slav was done, and I thought it would have been the right decision to get rid of him. I thought that his that those players did not look like a team that were playing for him, and I thought this was now beyond his control. What I saw, even after being after losing to two 0 were players that were still committed to his formation and to the tactics and playing with a certain type of style. Now, to me, that means Slav's got more time, and I would actually give him a seven two. I thought it was a very good performance, even though we ran out of steam in the second half. I I thought we did very well indeed, and I, I hope if we play like that. Against Saints, I'm sure we can get three points. So you're both, you're, you're both copycats. Come on, guys, get your own score. <laughs> All right, fine. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's true. It's honestly, it's honestly how I feel. I feel like I'm honestly been converted a little bit. So thank you to you both. All right, after this, we have got the quiz. Strap in. Fulham. And welcome back. And now it's time for some quizage. That was a terrible reference. Anyway, round one. Guess the caps. So you guys have basically. Very easily got to guess the caps of this certain Fulham player. And the closest one wins the point. All right. Now, if you're playing along at home, you can get a total points of 23 points. And my co-host here can get a total points of 18 points for the amazing prize that awaits them. Right. Question one. Papa Booba Diop. How many caps to you, Mr. Matt? 40. You're going with 40. And for you, John? 
Um, I'm going to say 32. Maybe 32. The correct answer is 63 caps in which he scored 11 goals. So, Matt, you said 40. You get a point for that one, sir. All right, question two. And I'll go to you, John, with this one. Paul Pesky Salido, how many caps? Okay, let's just say um, 18. 18. And to you, Matt, sir? Um, 47. 47. The correct answer is 53 caps. So you win the next point again, Matt, sir, that you got 47. So you were closest. So that is two points to nil for John. 53 caps and 10 goals for Paul Pesky Salido. Well done, mate. All right, question three. Luis Boa Morte, and I'll go to you, Matt, with this one. How many caps? Um, 55. 55. And for you, John, sir? Going a bit tactical here as I'm behind, and we're going to go for 50. 50. We're going for 50. The correct answer is 28 caps. So, John, well done, mate. Very good. You got one point from that. You got too high then. I wasn't thinking. He got 28 caps and one goal. Well done, mate. Okay, so it's 2-1 at the moment to Matt. Question four, and this is to you, John, mate. Darren Bent, how many caps for his country? Oh, I'd go for a solid seven. Seven, solid seven, okay. And for you, Matt, mate? I'm going to go for a shit three. (laughs) The correct answer is 13. So John is completely back in it. It's 13 caps wow. and four goals. So it is two all, gentlemen. This is excellent. Thank you, Darren Bent. Quality yeah. player. <laughs> from Tooting as well. Danny, Danny, Danny was telling me, though, apparently there was a really funny Christmas song he made up. And it's just the Darkness's version of uh, Christmas time. It's Christmas time. Bent is a bell and. Cracks me every time. I anyway. <clears throat> <laughs> All right. Round, round two. Back and forth. Now, this is where you get five guesses each, guys. And obviously, we go back and forth. So, five points available to both of you. All right. Here's the question for round two. Back and forth. Excluding England. Name the top 10 nationalities represented by Fulham across our 14 seasons in the Premier League era. So name the top 10 nationalities or countries represented by Fulham across our 14 seasons in the Premier League era. And I will go to you first, Mr. Matt. Uh, USA. That is correct. And for you, sir, Mr. John. I'm going to say Norway. Norway, you are correct. Okay, and to you, Matt. Wales? You are correct, Matt, mate. Uh, it's Wales. There were five players from Fulham that were represented, uh, that represented Wales. And to you, John, next country, please. Mm. Um, because of Santa's, I'm going to say Northern Ireland. You are absolutely correct. That is five players for Northern Ireland. And for you, Matt. Oh, it's tough. Mm. I am going to try France. France is absolutely right. In fact, it is the highest one. We have had 15 players from France in the Premier League. Well done, mate. 15. Now, you, John, mate. Next country, please. 
completely stumped here. <laughs> I'm, compl- I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. This will be a guess. This will be a guess. Um, where was Pantsil from? Um, Belgium. Belgium. Calling all Belgium. Calling all Belgium. There is no Belgium. There's, no, so answer. There's there, no answer from Belgium. There is no Belgium. It, it goes like back the, Eurovi- to- the Eurovision Song Contest. We've got no love here. <laughs> I don't have something to say about that. <laughs> Who would have something to say about that? Lucy Dembélé. Oh, of course he would. Yeah. <laughs> um, and on to you, Matt, mate. Next country, please. Republic of Ireland. Republic of Ireland. Calling the Republic of Ireland. The Republic of Ireland is not there. Close, but no cigar. That is one of the lowest ones, Republic of Ireland, and it is only four players. All right? So, unfortunately, you miss out on that one. So, it is another guess for you, Mr. John. Oh, Mr. John. Um, completely stumped. We've had... Uh... Well, let's just go for... Still haven't decided myself. Den... Where's Niamey from? Um, Finland. You almost did it. Finland's not on the answer, I'm afraid. I'm Ugh. so sorry. Never mind. And on to you, Matt, mate. This is your final guess. Potentially four points out of five here. You almost did it. When he, when he half said Denmark, then changed his mind. No, I didn't. No, I'm not going to say Denmark. I can only think of Klaus Jensen. Oh, and Nicholas Jensen. Um, I was going to go for Holland. Calling all Holland. That is correct. The Netherlands with eight players from Fulham. So that is four out of five for you, Matt. John, last guess. Chance for you to get three. Oh, three would be, would be too good to even believe. Um, has he played for a place, a place, a place? Who have we even had? Um, let's go. No, he said Denmark. I, that was, I've ruined that. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't yeah, say Denmark. So the, the, you didn't I, say Denmark. Denmark. Maybe. Yep, Denmark is the right answer. Well done, mate. You got three there, so well done, mate. So, <laughs> so please you are on my, my my fifteen minutes of silence, please. We have to Never mind. Down, sorry. You could have also, guys, had Ghana with five players. You could have had Scotland with five players. You could have had Sweden Scotland. with five players. Yeah, Scotland. Scotland. Exactly. And the Republic of Ireland and Germany would have just missed it with only four players and every other one else was on three. So that after that round, John is on five and Matt is on six. So it's very tight. Now we're going to round three. Now this is the buzzer round. And for Matt, I would like the word to be ambition. And for John, I'd like the word to be brave. Ambition and brave. Guess who says that a lot? All right. The following countries have only been represented by one player in the Premier League for Fulham. Name that player. The following countries have only been represented by one player in the Premier League for Fulham. Name the player. Country number one, Hungary. Ambitious. Zoltan Gira. Oh, Matt. Damn it. Give him the point. He got it. Have a guess, mate. Have a guess, mate. He didn't say brave, but never mind. All right, that is a point for John. Well done, mate. Okay, guess number two. Croatia. Ambition. Go on, Matt. Gragera. No, pass it on to John. Um, No idea. 
All right, okay. You none of you get that. The answer. No, what was, was the answer? Petrich. Oh yeah. Petrich. Petrich. Yeah. All right. Number three. Pakistan. A ramen. I'm sorry. Um, rave. All right. Rave. You get that one, John. Well done, mate. Well done. That is ramen for you. All right. Number four. Colombia. Brave. Go on. Brian Ruiz. No. Go on to you, no. please, Matt. Oh, you're kidding me. Can't remember. Hugo Brave. Rodriguez. It's too late. Number five is Turkey. Oh, um, oh no, that's not where he's from. Okay, brave anyway. Go on. Fabry, he's not, he paid for Besiktas. He's not from Turkey. Oh, you're frozen out, mate. And on to you, Matt. Can you think of any Turkish players for the Premier League for Fulham? No, can't. It's Karim Fry. Oh, yeah. Yes. So, out of that, John is now on seven. That's amazing. <laughs> sorry. How dare John, you? How dare you be, be guessing? John is on seven and Matt is on six. We are now in the final round. All right, we're now going to do guest of player. This is round four. I'm going to list you ten facts about this player, and one to three facts gets you four points, four to six points gets you three points, seven to eight gets you two points, and nine to ten gets you one point. So, Matt, it is in your interest to get this as quick as possible so you can get as many points to overtake John. All right, so here we go, guys. Just get ready to call out. If you think you know the answer, you do not need to buzz. Just shout it. I will recognize your names. Fact number one. He is five foot nine tall. Fact number two. He signed on deadline day of a summer transfer window. Fact number three. He was born in the Royal Borough of Greenwich, London. Fact number four. He made 48 appearances, scoring six goals. Fact number five. He has scored for England. Fact number six. He made his debut against West Ham at Upton Park, playing in centre midfield. Um, and out brave of John. John, Go. was that Dimitar Berbatov? No, he played for England. No, Dimitar no. Berbatov played for England. Oh my god! You are frozen out. I am afraid, John, that you cannot go any further. So, Brexit means Brexit. Brexit means Brexit. So, I'm going to give you fact number eight now. This is a chance. If you get this after this fact, you could overtake John here, Matt, mate. So, fact number eight. This player. No, no, fact. Sorry, fact number seven. He scored a consolation goal against Stoke on the day we were relegated from the Premier League in 2014. Sidwell. You're going with Sidwell. Final answer? I'm certain it's Berbatov. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to freeze you both out. You've made your decisions, and I'm going to read out the rest of the facts so people at home can get this. Fact number eight. This player is left-footed. Fact number nine, is he a left-back or a left-sided midfielder? That's a little riddle there. And fact number ten, he began his career at Manchester United. The answer is Kieran Richardson. None of you got that. So the final score is seven to John and six to Matt Buckler.
well done, John, mate. Well man, done. I'm so sorry because I completely fluked that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't worry, mate. We're sending you a little prize, mate. You are getting preview tickets for a one-man show of Dracula starring Dimitar Berbatov. It's going to be a classic show, seeing as you love him so much. And it, the well, show, that's why I, believe, I voted for him. Yeah, the show is called Keep Calm and Die. So enjoy that, mate. <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it. <laughs> and after this, we're going to have a little bit more chat about Mr. Jokanovic. Stay with us. Fulham. And welcome back to the Fulham Focus podcast after the quiz. Now, we're just going to have a little quick discussion of Slav in, Slav out, and shake it all about. Now, my position, guys, on Slav has been quite... About a week ago, I would have said to you, Slav out, easily, 100%. Losing to Cardiff, losing to Bournemouth, losing to Huddersfield, it's a recipe for a sacking. The players seem like they weren't playing for him. The players seem bored, uninterested, heads down, thumbs up, just get him out. Now... After the performance I've seen against Liverpool, and history has a way of repeating itself with our club and facing Liverpool, it certainly did for Rennie Willenstein, but unfortunately we made the wrong decision and got Felix McGathin. I feel that this could be a potential turning point, and I think Slav has definitely earned the right, at least, to stay until Saints. And if we win against Saints, I think that is officially 100% us starting to get closer to the shallows. But... We don't know for certain yet. We will see. But I've got to say one thing, is that if Slav had been sacked last week and a new manager was in, and there was a new manager in the Dakar at this Liverpool performance that we just saw, a lot of people would just be saying, oh, well, look, it's already getting better now Slav's gone. And Slav's in, and it looks like it's getting better, is what my point is. A lot of people would say the rot is dying already after that performance against Liverpool, and Slav is still here. Now, Matt, I'm going to pass this on to you. I mean, I've been slightly converted here. A bit more time has been added from for my liking on Slav's shelf life. What, what, what's your feeling on this, mate? Yeah, the the results are there for everybody to see, aren't they? Um, yeah. they? They haven't made good reading. And it's easy to blame the manager because he's the first person that you look to when things are going wrong. But for me, who's to say it's his fault? Who signs the players? As I said earlier, as far as I know, Tony Khan does it. He took all the credit in the summer when everybody was going crazy over all the money we were spending, saying, this is brilliant. Yeah, 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 lads, it's all me. I'm, I'm doing all this. I'm, I'm basing it on scouting and data profiles. Um, but for me, I think the model's wrong. I'm a traditionalist. I like to see a manager picking his own signings and being involved in, in the recruitment. I really do like to see that because then a manager can be fully accountable if things are going wrong. One thing we don't know anything about is why all these all the coaches are leaving um, without any word from the club. The bottom line here is that we don't know what's going on behind the scenes, yet everybody um, on social media seems to have the solution. Let's sack the manager. It's, it's knee-jerk, it's rash, and it's uninformed. And it's just a, such a short-term view. Let's, we need results immediately, so we've got to get rid of the manager. But how did that work out for us last time when we got relegated? We got rid of Yol, we brought in um, Moulinstein. He lasted five minutes and then we got rid of him and brought in Magat. It doesn't work all the time to, to get rid of the manager that, you know, it doesn't follow suit that you're immediately going to get results. Like I say, I'd I change the recruitment model. I'd, I'd, I'd send Slav to watch the, watch the players that we're going to sign. I'd, I'd get him to recommend players and I'd want him to be fully involved in the negotiations. I'd want him to be able to suss out a player's character 
so he can tell before we spend money on a player whether or not he's going to fit with the philosophy of what he's trying to achieve and then you know not have to worry about questioning a player's mentality when when things are going wrong um, and question their ability to carry out his instructions and you look at last season we filled the team with with loans so we rolled the dice and and I think Slav performed out of his skin to get us promoted last season I think we were absolutely outstanding we ended up signing Mitro but the likes of Piazon, Callas, Norwood, Ojo and Target all went back that's the core of our squad so any team spirit that was created last season has completely been stripped and we've had to start all over again. And starting by losing games this season is not going to help to establish a decent team spirit. I think sacking him makes us just the same as any old club who's got no patience. And to be honest, if we go down this season, then to me, it's because we aren't ready to go up in the first place. Excellent. I mean, that's that's really well put, mate. And look, I, I, was, I was saving a lot of, a lot of slab out monologuing for all of you and it trust me we will revisit that if we lose against saints but at the moment i'm willing to give him more time and i really look i'm a romantic and i want slav to stay with us and i want him to keep us up it would be it was it's like what tom kearney said in my opinion football will be winning if we did that and john i'm gonna go to you with this one mate what your thoughts on slav are you your slab in i agree with so much of what matt's just said but um I think Slavis's biggest strength last season was his stubbornness. And I think this season he's been slightly stubborn, but a stubborn man wouldn't change his team each week. I think he is as clueless as we are as to what his best team is. And that is a fault of the manager. Definitely is. But he's admitted by changing his team every week that he's not always right and he's no longer stubborn. And unfortunately, I think... The transition from a possession-based team that would wear teams down into the ground and pass around them and do all that to a team that now doesn't have the ball so much and now actually has to fucking run and now actually has to fucking defend has completely thrown him. And it might have taken a while, but I remember Big Sam saying at Crystal Palace, it's going to take him eight weeks to get the team playing as he wants. All right. So let's say eight weeks from now, right? a new manager of the quality of Big Sam, who is a quality survival manager. Let's not make no bones about it. Eight weeks from now is half the season gone. So we're going to give half the season to not winning a point, not, not doing anything good. We have no chance in hell. So if we're going to employ someone like Big Sam, let's not give Big Sam six months. Let's give him three years. And let a manager build a system, a hierarchy, an actual, you know, get his own players in. For me, the biggest problem we have at the moment is the recruitment. Now, I'm a plumber, right? So I, you know, I work with my hands for a living. I've got my tools and all that. If someone came to me when I first started plumbing and said to me, here you go, here's some tools, work with them, I would have. And I would have been shit. I'd have scraped the chrome off every fitting and I, I would have done it because I didn't know what was right. If someone who means well and says to me, listen, John, here's the most expensive drill on earth. Yeah, this will make your life easier. I'm like, no, it won't. He says, oh, look, here's the most expensive so-and-so. This will make you... No, it won't. I need this, this and this. I need this to do my job. And you're not giving me what I want. You're not giving me what I need. You give me the most expensive drill on earth. 
but that doesn't help me. I need, you know, I need the hand tools that make me a plumber. So, you know, when I didn't know what I was doing, I'd take the tools someone else gave me and think, oh, this is a great gift. But actually, when I know what I need to do a good job and I don't get it, then I'm constantly fighting a battle against what I have and what I need to do. The bottom line is the manager needs to be responsible or the head coach needs to be responsible. And unfortunately, when you give him someone's gifts that are supposed to make his life easy and it's not what he needs, then it's useless. We need Premier League players. We need quality. And we've not, we've not got it. So for me, Slav deserves to the end of the season and Slav deserves our faith in him. But he does need to sign a contract. All right, guys. Oh, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up, guys. We have run out of time. Um, guys, thank you very much for being my co-host today, and thank you all for listening. Do not forget to hit subscribe, rate us on iTunes, everyone listening, and tell all your friends about us. Next week's show will include the Southampton preview, and keep an eye on social media for when it will drop. All right, guys. So that is goodbye from me. That is goodbye from John. Goodbye. And that is goodbye from Matt. Cheers, everyone. See you soon. All right, stay safe, guys. See you soon.